Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Entering a new series on faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that life has a way of trying to take our eyes away from faith, steal our faith from the inside of us, bring fear, anxiety, worry, doubt. Phil Pringle says this faith is a feeling of absolute confidence. Faith isn't about, we don't need to have, you know, our feelings. Uh, Our faith isn't dictated by our feelings, but faith is a feeling. And so this morning, I just want you to lift your hands and just uh, open your heart to God. I'm believing this morning that, you know, it's not going to be a whole bunch of great words that impress you this morning, but there's going to be a deposit of faith on the inside. If you want that, you can have that, but I need you to to want that and to cry out for that this morning. I feel like God's going to deposit a new way in your world of doing life. So let's just pray for that. God, we thank you this morning, God, for your faith, for this ability to to fix our eyes, not on, on what is seen, but what is unseen. Lord, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Thank you, Lord, for faith, the, the great gift that you have given us to live this life. God, victoriously, boldly, confidently, God, looking to you with an assurance that everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Even though it seems like all sorts of things are going on around our world, our finances, our relationships, nations, family. God, you have everything that we need. So God, I pray this morning, God, that you would be with us here. God, that you would stir our hearts. God, you would deposit faith on the inside of us. God, that faith would rise up on the inside. And you deposit that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, hey, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. Thank you, band. Amazing. Appreciate all you do. You may be seated as well. Are you well this morning? Good? It's good to be in church. So good to be in church. And, um, you know, I sort of... Sad Pastor Phil and Julian here because I love to be. I, I just think you know, Pastor Phil, faith is like his thing. If there's some, if there's anything that that I uh, think Pastor Phil, his greatest strength is that it's faith, and I look forward to them coming back in a couple of weeks and and hearing about faith from Pastor Phil and Julie. Um, but you know, it's it's really exciting to be starting a new series. I haven't been here for a little while. I was out at Adelaide at a church planting course. Uh, last week, uh, if you're new and you don't know who I am, I'm, um, my name's Garth, I'm uh, one of the team here, and uh, my wife Jamie and I, she was, she's a bit unwell this morning, couldn't be here, uh, but we're going to plant a church in Africa next year, and so it's pretty ridiculous and, and crazy, and I feel like faith is something that is very strong on my heart at the moment. Uh, it's a bit of a season where it's sort of going, what on earth is going to happen here? <laughs> How is this going to unfold? 
before us. Um, and, you know, I, that's why I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing just on faith because, you know, I think I'm not going to take, uh, I think Luke's going to be sharing a bit on this tonight, but I was just talking to Luke during the week about faith. And, and he said something to me, he said, if, if, this, if he does talk about this tonight, it's going to be, you know, just a little sneak preview for you to want, make you want to come out. But he said this, he goes, you know, the angels don't need faith. Uh, the, you know, the people in the heavens don't need faith because they're there, they're, they're in this perfect place, they're right before God. Faith is, is a gift from heaven for us on earth, for human beings on earth to live victoriously and overcome. And, uh, you know, when Jamie and I decided we were, well, when we were contemplating moving to another continent to start a church, um, you know, there was a whole bunch of questions going through our mind, going, what are we, how is this going to work out? You know, the furthest I've ever moved house is a 20-minute drive away, uh, let alone a 20-hour flight away. And, and speaking of 20-hour flights, welcome to the wards here. Uh, Dave, oh, Dave's not here, but Joe, Austin... And uh, Bronte, of course, but you haven't taken a long trip. Lovely to have you here, all the way from London. Um, but a 20-hour flight away, move house and start a church in a culture. I'm like, how is this all going to happen? But you know what? We made a decision. We said, we're not going to ask all the questions and have it figured out before we make a decision if we're going to move or not. Because we're sort of thinking, do we need to figure this out? We need to, how are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? What's this going to look like? And and, and how's this going to work? And I said to Jamie, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to say, what's God saying? And let's make a decision based off that. Um, and then everything else will get sorted out after that. So we decided, we heard God, you know, we felt we heard God really clearly calling us to move. And um, so we've made that decision of faith to go move to another country and, and see what happens. And now everything's going to sort itself out uh, on the run. It's going to work. So faith, man, I, I tell you, faith is, is such a great topic to be looking at for the next however many weeks we do. And faith arising as well. Faith arising. You know, faith is something that needs to arise on the inside of you. It's not something that happens naturally. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Why don't you turn with me to Psalm 27 and let's just have a little look at that. Psalm 27. Let me just pray once more as we turn to this. God, we thank you, Lord, for faith. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? God, would your word just be fresh and alive on the inside of our hearts? God, let faith rise. Let faith arise in the midst of everything going on in our world, in the midst of every opposition, in the midst of every challenge. God, would, your, would, would faith arise on the inside of our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name. All right, let's read this. Uh, it says... I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Yours might be a little bit different. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. So let's just look at that. Verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Or whom shall I fear? 
Uh, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? You know, the Bible talks about two things. It talks about, mentions the spirit of faith and the spirit of fear. Um, you know, I think this is pictured really famous story in the, with the spies going into the promised land. And we have the 10 spies that are operating under a spirit of fear. We have Caleb and Joshua operating under a spirit of faith. We see the 10 spies go in, scope the land. They see the challenges. They see the obstacles. And they go to a place of fear looking at why things cannot be done. Joshua and Caleb go in looking at all the challenges and all the difficulties, but come out with a different report telling why something can be, why it can be done. And I believe that we have an option every single day of our lives, whether we respond out of a spirit of fear or whether we respond out of a spirit of faith to whatever things are going on in our world. Every single day we have that choice, which one are we going to operate from? Um, looking at verse 2 and 3, it says, When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Is that an incredible psalm of faith? Is that an incredible attitude of faith? Even though those things happen, still I will remain confident. Even though I'm attacked, though an army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. I don't know if you've had any feelings like that. Has anyone in the past 12 months faced a situation where they felt like it is too much for them to handle? Can I see a show of hands in the past 12 months? Okay, so that's pretty, pretty common. And for the rest of you, I'll pray for your lying problem later on. But, you, you know, um, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but I guarantee you there's times where, where, where we are going to feel like we are surrounded, where our enemy is going to try and devour us and attack us. But this psalm is a picture in my eyes, of the attitude of faith that we can and should have towards situations in our world. Now, faith, it's hard doing the second week of faith because there's so many places you can go. But faith in, you know, the key time when faith is tested on the inside of you is in times of trouble. Uh, we also need times, faith in times that are, that are good and things are going well for us. But really where it's, where it's tested is in that moment where things are going wrong, and it's how we respond to that. The problem is that we can only have one major emotion dictating our inner man at the one time. Only one can dominate. We're either, you can't be, be full of faith and have fear operating simultaneously in a significant way. There may be an element of it, but there has to be one dominating factor going on on the inside of you at the one time. The problem is this, that our default as human beings is that we, we, we default to a spirit of fear when something goes wrong. That's our, that's our default. That's our natural response when something that we're facing is bigger than what we can handle. We go, my goodness, this is terrible. What can I do to sort it out? What can I do to fix it? Um, I don't know why it is so easy for us to go to the negative. I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but... But maybe it's you as well. I've got some stats for you on the screen. Ellie's going to bring up some stats for me. The odds of you being killed in an airline, uh, in an airline flight, in the top 39 airlines is one in 19.8 million. Not very good odds. The chances of dating a supermodel is one in 100, 
89,200. The chances of marrying a millionaire are one in 220. Single people, put your hands up. That's good news, isn't it? You've got more chance of marrying a millionaire than you do of dying in a plane crash. But yet, but yet, why is it, you know, I did marry the supermodel, but I didn't expect that before I did. It was just like a blessing from heaven. But why is it that we can so much more easily picture the negative than we can the positive? When I'm going up in a plane, I can so easily picture the wings falling off and me plummeting to the ground. It's so easy for me to picture that. I don't have to conjure it up. I don't have to try and go, you know what, come on, Garth, picture those wings falling off. It's just in my mind, I'm like, man, this thing should not be doing this. This big, heavy object should not be defying the law of gravity and flying in the air. It, it seems so logical that it should crash. And then as Mel and I have discussed at different times, the more I fly, the more I feel like my chances increase of that happening. It's like, you know, maybe a one-off is okay. You know, one-off, yeah, it's, you know, there's 93,000 flights that happen each day. And it's at one in 93,000, you know, I'm pretty good, you know, unless you're with Emilation probably, but anyway. Um, it's not too soon. It's been a few weeks, all right. So, but, but generally speaking, the odds are not great. But, but we just picture the negative. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it dumbfounds me really that how easily we just put our eyes instantly to what can go wrong, even if the odds of, of, of something good is better than, the ne- you know, than, than what the negative thing is. I remember one time we were at home. This is probably one of the top five funniest moments in my life, I would think. And we were, my mum, my sister and I were at home. I've asked my mum permission to share this story in case she listened to the podcast, which she probably wouldn't, but I asked anyway. And my dad, had, my dad was, had been retrenched and he just got another job doing a night shift down in Sydney. And so we grew up in Narara and, you know, it was an area that wasn't amazing, you know, wasn't amazingly safe. But, and so I think my mum was pretty, she, it was like just as the night shift started. So she was pretty, she was like in this whole thing of being scared at home with the kids, you know, dad's not there and it's night time and we're in this neighborhood. And, um, and so she was pretty freaked out. And so I remember one night, it was only about 7 p.m., and there was a knock at the door. She's like, quick, kids, get down, get down. And so we're just like going, what? What's going on? And we're ducking down, like, and, and, and it keeps knocking. She's going, shh. We're like going, why? Like, what? What's going on? And so anyway, it ends up being my cricket coach. He goes, and he's knocking. He's going, hey, it, it's just Greg. We're just dropping off the scorebook for tomorrow. And do you know what my mum said in that moment as we're hiding, pretending we're not there? She said, sorry, Greg, no one's home. I, ki- I kid you not. I kid you not. And at that, at that moment, my sister and I just lost it. No one's home. And the, the, the puzzled voice, his puzzled voice when he said, Gail, is that you? And she goes, oh, oh, and anyway, opened up, and it was just like, what? How does that, how do you think to tell the person no one's home? And every time I can picture it, 
And it's just an incredible response. But don't we do some silly stuff when, when, we're, in, when we're afraid? Our response when we're fearful is very often not how God wants us to respond. And so, you know, I, I, we, we either have two options when something goes wrong in our world. Either we, we can focus on the issue, which causes us to try and figure the problem out in our own strength, and which causes us to live in a place of fear. Does that make sense? So the problem comes, bill comes in, whatever it is that's going on in your world, health report comes, you focus on that problem, fear comes in, takes over, and, and your response is, what can I do to sort that out? Um, th- that can be a default, you know, how, how we react, that's our default. You know, Moses, um, do you know the story of Moses when he was, when, when God said, speak to the rock? And he struck the rock. Do you remember that story in Numbers um, 20? Anyway, let me, quick recap. Children of Israel are in the desert. They're whinging and complaining. God said, speak to the rock and water will come from it. Moses hid it. And he missed out on going into the promised land because of it. Now, why, why was that the case? Why did God say, because you, you struck the rock instead of speaking to it, you're not going into the promised land. Why did God do that? What, what, what was behind that? Let me ask you some questions. What, when, when God came to Moses and said, I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, what was the tool, that God, the number one tool that God gave him to, do, to use to do that? Staff. I said the number one tool. That was number two. The first tool that God gave Moses was his voice. He said, go and say to them, I am as sent me and take the people out of Egypt. The plan of God for Moses was for him to speak. That was his place of faith. What happened before that encounter? The Egyptian was beating the Hebrew. Moses came in, murdered the Egyptian. Then he came back the next day and saw two Hebrews fighting and said, hey guys, what are you doing? And they said, who are you to talk to us? Are you going to go kill us like you did to the Egyptian?" So Moses, you see, he'd already spoken to the, his people and they didn't listen to him. So when God comes back the second time and says, now you're going to go and speak to your people, he goes, hey, I've tried that before. I know how that pans out. I'm, I can't speak. I'm not going to do that. And, and so God ends up saying, well, look, take the staff for now and you can use that. But his A plan was for Moses to step into a place of faith, use his voice and speak to those people. And so the first time he came to the rock, he said, strike the rock, because he was helping him out in his fear, and he struck the rock, everything happened well. But the second time, God said, speak to the rock. And for in, it, the way I see this, God, this was Moses' opportunity to change his default. It was his opportunity to not go to a place of doubt and fear and what used to be, and it was his place to step into what God had called him to do. And it was his place to say, you know what, I believe you, God, and I'm going to speak. But he didn't. Now, you have a default of how you respond to challenges. And I believe that God wants you to rewire what that is in your world. If, if, your, if your default is to the problem comes, focus on the problems, look at the negative, respond in your own strength, God wants to change that. And he wants to change it to this. He wants you to change it to seeing the problem 
walking to his word and acting in faith. See, faith actually means trusting, uh, trusting a person and their word. Trusting a person and their word. Let's just look at one other example really quickly. Um, and, and, you know, won't go there, but in, um, Hezek- when Hezekiah was king of Judah, I don't know if you know the story, but he was king of Judah in Jerusalem, and the world power at that time were the Assyrians. I don't know if you know much about the Assyrians, but they were the strongest world power, but they were also the terrorists of the time. It was almost like as if ISIS was the terrorists of the time now, and they're the world power. So they're stronger than anyone else going around. And so um, uh, Hezekiah is here in Judah, Assyria is to the north, Egypt's to the south. Hezekiah decides to rebel against Assyria, and so they come after him. And that's a pretty scary situation, because these guys, I'm telling you, they weren't good people. It wasn't like they were going to come and say, now you've got to move out of the way they, you know, like, you know, yeah, anyway, I don't want to go into the things that they were doing. It's, they, they do bad things. They did bad stuff. And so this is the problem, but Hezekiah, so, so Hezekiah is faced with a problem. The whole um, city of Jerusalem is about to be destroyed. What's his default? What does he do? Does anyone know what he does? He goes, I'm going to go down to Egypt for help. I'm going to go and ask Egypt for help. But this is what God says about that in Isaiah 30, 31, 31, 1. He says, woe to those, this is speaking to Hezekiah through Isaiah, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses and trust on the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Do you know, Israel, their great claim was that God has delivered us out of Egypt. For generations, they would say, God has delivered us out of that place and they've brought us into this place. And then all of a sudden, they thought, I'm going to go back to Egypt for help. God's saying, no, 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 no. I delivered you from that way. Don't go back to the place that I brought you out of to deal with your problems. I brought you into a new place and you need to trust me. You know what? God has brought you out of an old way of life of trusting yourself. God has brought you out of a place of self-help. He's brought you out of a place where you can do it all yourself. And he brought you into a place through only through faith in him that you could be saved. And that is the same way that he wants you to live by. The same way you entered salvation is the same place that he wants you to live by and walk by. And that is a place of faith. I don't know. The people that say, um, God, you know, when something bad goes wrong, people say, don't worry, brother, sister. Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Don't say that to someone. That's stupid. Um, The Bible says that he won't give you more temptation than you can handle. Never says anything about trials. God consistently gives me more than I can handle. But with him, all things are possible. In our own strength, we are consistently faced with stuff that is too difficult for us every single time. And so the minute you go and... If Hezekiah had a... The good news is for Hezekiah, he ended up repenting and turning to God. And God miraculously saved Jerusalem. If he hadn't have, everything would have been destroyed. There's times when you face things that are too much, no matter where you go for help, in the natural, in a natural sense, on this planet Earth, no matter where you go, doctors, financial planners, this, that, whatever you seek, there's things that you can't do without God. So God is talking, I believe, is always just uh, calling us to look to Him. See, um, there's a difference between fact and truth. 
Phil Pringle talks about this in his book, Faith, and you need to read that book throughout this theme because it's just an incredible book. The difference between fact and truth. The fact might be, the, re- the fact is the reality of the situation. The fact was that, that Jerusalem were about to get attacked by a very, very powerful force. Uh, the, the fact might be that you're unwell. The fact might be that your finances are in all sorts of trouble. The fact might be that your family's a mess. The fact might be that this, the fact might be that that. But there's a difference between fact and truth. While the fact might be what actually is, the truth is what can be and what will be if we go to God and access that by faith in Jesus' name. And so God wants us to take our eyes from our natural, fearful response to the facts and take us to a place of faith in response to His truth. So how do we do this? Uh, It's pretty simple, really. Pretty simple. Well, easier said than done anyway. Simple in theory. Verse 4 of that psalm, in 20, uh, Psalm 27, verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections, and what? Meditating in His temple. What, do you, what does the Bible talk about when it talks about med- meditation? Word of God. The Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Anyone know it? Can anyone tell it to me? Romans 10, 17. Is it up there? Maybe we can put it up there, help him out, Ellie. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. If you are going to change your default from meditating, see, meditating is just like putting all your attention to one thing. It's like it's focusing on it and then speaking according to that. So you can either meditate. When you're worrying, you're meditating. Fear is just meditating. Uh, worrying is just meditating on what can go wrong. But God is calling us to meditate on the truth. And so you can either meditate and just look at and engulf yourself with what's going wrong and focus on that. Or you can meditate on God's word and get his truth into the situation. It is the word of God that is going to bring faith on the inside of you. And now I'm preaching to myself this morning because you see, I, I was a man just full of fear. I, that's my testimony as a Christian. I would... I'd literally worry about uh, getting sick and dying pretty regularly. Like if I had a headache, I'd probably want to go to the hospital and there must be something serious going on here. Uh, I would, even if nothing was wrong, I'd want to find something that's wrong. Not on purpose, just because fear was the thing that was driving me. And God took me out of that and, and, he, and he took me on a great journey. And, you know, one of the, the scriptures that he gave me to fight that was Psalm 140, verse 7. It's not on there, sorry, Ellie. Um, And it says this, Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. From all the thoughts that were being bombarded in my head day after day, day after day, about worrying, fearing, looking for the negative, God gave me that scripture. He said, I want you to declare it over your life. And I declare things like that. Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you're shielding my head in the day of battle, even though my thoughts are not great at the moment, God, you're giving me the victory. And, and I went on this journey of just re- renewing my mind and, and training my, my, my mind to look at the, the good, not the bad, expecting the best, not the worst. Because, um, and, and, you know, and so I had significant victory in that. On that note, just because bad things happen doesn't mean you have to expect bad things. You know, um, in all this, if you read, it's not there again, but if you read at the end of Psalm 27, 
Uh, it says, after David's talking about all the, all the things facing him, all the things going wrong, do you know what he says in verse 11, uh, 13? He says, yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. So right here, right now, even though all this is going on, I'm confident that something good's going to come out of it. Uh, in Psalm 23, he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. So there's stuff going on. And then at the end it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I remember being young and, and, and having a high expectation for a situation and it didn't work out. And I said to myself, I'm just not going to get my hopes up because if I don't expect something good, then I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. I think so many of us think that just because difficult things happen, we have to live with an expectation that it's going to happen, but it doesn't. God wants you to expect the positive, that everything's going to work out okay, that he's going to come through, that there's going to be goodness while you're living here on earth. And so that's a little side note. So, um, but here's the thing, right? So in the past few years, you know, challenges all take place. And I found myself not really reading the Bible. Now, I would, maybe if I was going to preach a message, I'd like, yeah, you've got to get a, get a word. But, but I'd increase my prayer life. My prayer life was doing well. My, I was reading other books, reading leadership books and, you know, these things, but I was neglecting the Word. And recently I found that, that thing of fear trying to get a hold on me again. When, you know, that, that worry, that, that fear, that anxiety, just being real with you here. And I, and I started going, what, what's going on? I thought, you know, I thought I'd done with that stuff, thought, thought that was over. But I realized this. That's what I realized. I stopped really reading the Word. See, the Word is the, the thing that is going to bring faith on the inside of us. We can't do it without the Word of God. You can't, you're, we can't just use our perception of things. We've got to get heaven's perspective on situations. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And so my main um, aim this morning is to just refresh a desire in you a, to to encourage you to re- renew your default setting to going to God's Word and seeing what He says about your world rather than just focusing on the, tru- on the problem and trying to sort it out yourself. And so to help you with that, I just thought I would um, give you a few reasons why I feel like people stop reading the Bible or they don't get into it as much as we probably should. Because, you know, I've got, I think I've got about 40 Bibles at home, probably. I think I've got like, also, I've got them in different languages. I started collecting them. I've got, you know, Swahili, Arabic Bibles. I've got Message Bibles, NLT, Amplified, New King James, King James, Living Bible. I've got every Bible you can think of. But do you know what the problem is? It doesn't matter how many Bibles you've got if you don't open them. And if it just sits on your shelf and you don't actually read it, it's not going to help you. Having it in your hand is not going to do anything. It's actually something you need to take up and use. And so here's some reasons uh, as I finish just to, to let you know why I think I stopped getting into that and why I've started again, why I've really made that a priority in my world. I think I lost, firstly, I think I lost belief that it would actually help me, that it would actually do something for me. Like, is this really going to, to, to change something in my world? And you know what? If you read it in, just by yourself, it may not. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, it will transform your world. You can't, 
expect to read this with, I'm just getting really practical for a bit, all right? Just to help you as you walk away from here, just getting into this. You can't read this without the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, if so, so, so when, when you read it, sometimes you, you, you know, maybe you've opened, you've gone, oh, you started to read it. You've gone, oh, no, yeah, whatever. It's not really, you know, yeah, what was my shepherd? I shall not want. Cool, whatever. It doesn't make, it's not helping me. But, but have you cried out for God? Say, God, Holy Spirit, would you reveal your word to me? Because I can tell you, as you do that and as you press into that and you, and you cry out to God for understanding and for wisdom, the word and the spirit working together will bring revelation into your world. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. So that's one thing you need to do. Um, Job 23, 12 says, Job said, I have not departed from his commands, but I've treasured his words uh, more than daily food. More than daily food. Job said, you know what? His word is something that I need more than actual, the actual food that I eat. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 4 says this, but Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say, People, uh, people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need a now word from the word of God that you can hold to and declare over your situation. You know, this whole thing of Africa, just in a time when I was going, God, what, how's this all going to work? What's happening? This is a scripture he gave me. When, the Holy, when you read it with the Holy Spirit's help, I was just reading, not looking for anything in particular, and I started to read Hebrews 11. And, and when I came across this, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me, illuminated it to me, and I was just like, oh my God, that is amazing. And, and it said, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. I thought, man, I'm one up on Abraham. I know where I'm going at least. Um, <laughs> but, but, but in that, like, you know, since then, there's been a whole lot of challenges that... Um, that I've sort of come across that I haven't been able to put plans into action. And I'm going, I'm starting to go, oh, I need to know. I don't know what to do next. Where are we going? We're going to do this. Do we have to do that? And God always reminds me of this. Abraham obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know everything. So even right now, if I don't know everything, I know it's going to be okay because I've obeyed God's call and I'm going. And so you need things like that. Without that, just to go to God, this is the word. That's a word for me right now. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll take a word in here and make it fresh for you where you are right now in your world. And so if we don't open it, if we're not reading it, the Holy Spirit can't illuminate it to it. He can't, he can't light it up to us. He can't uncover. The word revelation is, means to uncover. He can't uncover what is already here so that we can see it. And without the Holy Spirit, we're reading it, and it's like it's covered up. It's like, oh, yeah, Abraham went. But when the Holy Spirit falls on it and reveals it, it's like, Boom, it's uncovered, something that was always there we can see for the first time. And so we need to, to get into that. I remember, you know, this is, this is living and active. This is not, it's not a book. If we look at it as a book, then we're going to be disappointed. It is living and active. I don't know if Andrew remembers, but I remember being in the high school hall and I was down on an altar call. I don't really cry that much, you'd be surprised, but like it's not like, not like a ball, you know, like, oh, crazy. Like, sometimes we, like, you know, if there's something emotional on Home and Away or something like that. <laughs> no, might bubble up, but, you know, like bringing sexy back a TV show and they come back and they've lost weight. It's, oh, my God, that's awesome. Anyway, um, but, but Pastor Julie said to Andrew, Pastor Julie's praying for me, she said to Andrew, 
read 1 Timothy over Garth. And he's like, oh, okay, no worries. And he just, and he, and he opened it, and it was one, don't let people look down on you because you're young. And I don't know what it was, but at the time, I just started crying uncontrollably. God just touched that scripture and, and brought something so alive on the inside of my heart. That's not just a book. That's not something that I conjure up. Even if when I'm sad about stuff at times, I don't cry uncontrollably. That is a God uh, putting something on the inside of me that is living and active. And that's the sort of thing that we need. That's the, 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 the word of God that we live by. That's the word that we live by every day that's more important than our daily bread. The thing that gives us faith for this moment. The thing that, that gives us something to hold on to. The thing that takes our eyes on what's going on to the God's truth in the situation. Even as I've been going through some difficult things lately, and I'm just reading this psalm, Psalm 27. You know, the Lord is my, uh, you know, Lord, Lord is my light and salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Even as I read that, that question just goes, "Whom shall I fear?" Faith comes on the inside of me, going, "No, I don't need to worry about this. God is bigger than this situation. God has time and time proved Himself that He is for His people and that He is more than capable and willing to get involved." So I don't need to be afraid of this faith. All of a sudden, just comes on the inside of me. And so I'm quickly realized, again, I actually do need it. And I think we all need a fresh revelation that we need the Word of God on the inside. Not just what other people say about the Word of God, not just other books that people, their revelations, but your personal revelation for the, from the Word of God for where you are at right now and what you need right now. Um, secondly, um, second reason I think people don't read the Bible is they don't know where to start. That was one of the reasons for me uh, when I sat down in the morning to pray. And I'd, I'd, I'd know I should, but I'm just like, there's like 66 books in one. There's 800,000 words. Um, where do I start? Where do I start to read? I've only got 15 minutes here. You know, I've got brekkie and a coffee here. I've only got 15 minutes. Where do I start? And um, you know what? There's a whole bunch of places you can start. You know, maybe doing a Bible reading plan can work for you. You know, having it on your phone and going through something. For me, it doesn't so much. It's something I can go back to, but I like to get a concordance out and study something that I'm facing. So if I'm struggling with fear, I'll go to the concordance, look up the word fear and read scriptures about that and just read all these Psalms and read 2 Timothy you know, one seven, Lord has not given, you know, God did not give you a spirit of fear. And so you can reject that. Now I start, all of a sudden I start speaking that over my life. God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear. I reject the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. I don't have to take that. God, let faith rise up on the inside of me. Um, start anywhere you can. But why don't you, you know, one good thing is to ask your connect group leader. Come and ask someone, hey, I'm going through this. I don't know where to start. You know, give me something to, give me a scripture to read and encourage each other with verses in your connect group. Send texts text each other with, with scriptures and, and whatever. Now, Lisa, you can come up now. Thank you. Uh, thirdly, I don't understand it. I, some of you might go, I don't, I don't understand what it's saying. Like, what is it talking about in this? You know, this is, doesn't make sense. Well, just go and ask Luke Boyd. He'll explain it all to you. He knows what's going on. Again, get a friend, get a connect group leader, talk out the scriptures. C3 College Online. For $95, you can get a whole module, a whole module of New Testament survey. And you can have someone explaining it to you as you're digging into it and explaining the terms of the word. Justification's this, sanctification's this, and bringing the word to life as you read it. 
you know, but, but we need to pursue this thing in our world. Um, fourth, I, did, I don't have time. I don't have time. Yes, you do. But you just don't have priority. We, we, pro, we give time to what we prioritize. I'm a big, you know, stuff's busy. I'm not going to say too much on this, but I have, I've said a bit in the past sort of year about this because it's been something big to me. We have time. We're busy, but we do have time for things we prioritize. Uh, and you can make time if you need to. And so come on, let's, let's just get that priority back in our world and we'll make time for it. Um, and, and that'll do. Why don't we just stand up and I'll just read this last verse. See, David said that he would be in the temple of God. And then in verse, in verse 5 of that Psalm 27, he says, For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Can you imagine a place like that? If, like in a physical challenging situation. If you were under physical attack and there was a place where you're concealed from trouble and that where you could hide in a sanctuary, where you're placed out of reach on a high rock, any, anywhere in your world can be that place. You don't have to go to the temple to have that. When Jesus died, the curtain was torn in half and the presence of God was available at any, to any person at any time in any place. You need to turn that verse 5 into your world every day. Somewhere, someplace where you get alone, where you get quiet with God and you say, you know, God, I just need to hear your perspective. I need to get heaven's perspective on this for a moment. I need to be concealed away from the, the challenges. I need to be higher than what's going on. I need to get a perspective of God's truth. I need to get in the word, pray, get the presence of God surrounding me so that I'm not just surrounded by all the troubles and all the strife and everything that's going on. That is available to you. You don't need to live your life thinking negatively. You don't need to live your life thinking fearfully. You don't need to live your life imagining everything that can go wrong or worrying about what's going to go wrong or wondering how you're going to get out of something. Make a new default. Turn to God's Word. Get the truth of heaven in your situation. As soon as you get in that place, things start to shift on the inside. Things will start to shift on the inside. Why don't you just close your eyes where you are for a moment. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.